Well, we're with uh, Elizabeth Williamson this morning, and it's uh, the book, her book, Sandy Hook, An American Tragedy in the Battle for Truth. And Elizabeth, uh, obviously, we, I, I realized when I was reading your book, it's been almost 10 years in December. It will be 10 years since yes. that horrific day in Connecticut when, when all these children were killed. And that was Sandy Hook in Connecticut, as people obviously now remember. But your book documents uh, what hap- has happened in those intervening 10 years. Obviously, you describe the, the, the gruesome details. I mean, you weren't there, though, for that, um, for the actual, you didn't cover it. I should say, uh, Elizabeth is a, got the trifecta here. She's worked for the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and New York Times, the three papers that aren't going under, folks. Um, <laughs> and yeah, be, a beautiful job. Now, Thank but you. with this, I have to tell you, I'm from your neck of the woods. I actually spent a bunch of years growing up in Mendota, Illinois. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just yeah. north of here. Yeah. Yep. Corn Festival, I think. Exactly. They, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, w- welcome. Welcome back to the Midwest, even via the phone here. Um, Thank you. But tell us, you know, what? when did you get into the, the Sandy Hook story? So when <clears throat> I first learned that the families of two Sandy Hook victims were suing InfoWars conspiracy broadcaster Alex Jones in Texas, um, that was in mid-2018. And I thought that that would be a very interesting test of whether the First Amendment, as Jones repeatedly claims, protects falsehoods that are spread online by millions of people that result in years of torment and threats against vulnerable people, in this case, the Sandy Hook families. But in talking with Lenny Posner, the father of Noah Posner, the youngest Sandy Hook victim, I swiftly learned that Sandy Hook was a foundational story about how false narratives and misinformation have gained traction in our society. Um, So from Sandy Hook to Pizzagate to QAnon to Charlottesville to coronavirus to the 2020 election that brought, you know, increasing numbers of people who were willing to defend these false beliefs with violence. at, you know, on January 6th, they wound up at the Capitol. Um, so I think that the book demonstrates, you know, how these incidents, um, that these um, deluded people, uh, people for reasons of ideology or like Alex Jones for profit, will spread these falsehoods and defend them in the real world, often or sometimes with violence. Yeah, because, <clears throat> pardon me, we're talking with Elizabeth Williamson, author of Sandy Hook. The the thing that that comes across is the zeal, passion, I don't know what the right word is, of these folks who believe in this conspiracy. Because you you describe in in the book that Robbie Park, one of the parents of of one of the the children that was slain back in, in 2012, is 3,000 miles away in Seattle visiting family. Four years later, after the after the uh, shooting, this is to be 2016, somebody comes up to him on the street and c- accuses him of lying. Now, exactly. this is bizarre. Either they would know him, they would confront him, and then have this belief. Uh, it just it just boggles the mind. Yeah, I mean, the people who believed in these theories, they kind of, I mean, I compare it to some of the earliest Facebook groups um, were actually groups that were built around things like knitting or quilting. 
And mm. I compared the Sandy Hook hoax Facebook group, which was one of the largest and earliest gatherings of these conspiracy theorists to that. It's like they're all embroidering this crazy quilt that, that the Sandy Hook shooting never happened. I mean, this is a small town in New England that just a month before voted for Mitt Romney. Um, you know, President Obama was up for re-election then, had been newly re-elected when the shooting occurred. This was a town that didn't even support him electorally, but the theory was that they all colluded on a seamless hoax to perpetrate a mass shooting because they were using it as a pretext to deprive Americans of their First Amendment rights. I mean, it made absolutely no sense, but the people who propagated this, got a lot of psychic income from it. It was a form of socialization. They gathered online, they reinforced each other, they praised each other when they came up with sort of new ripples in this phony plot, this sort of crazy quilt that they were, um, that they were creating together. And so anyone who was like intruding on them with facts or truth, even if it was a parent like Lenny Posner saying, look, my child really died. I mean, he he joined one of these groups and tried to, to answer their questions. They viewed those individuals as threats. It's amazing. Uh, the, <clears throat> there's a, I think there's a comment you made, it might've been in an interview uh, following the, the publication of the book. Uh, we don't need Russia anymore to sow disruption in this country because of, of what you just described. Uh, the, the following and the, the mass hysteria that's picked up on and, you know, we can go through a whole number of, of issues. Uh, most like, you know, the, the vaccination is is yes. still with us, really. Yeah. I mean, you, we, we're hopeful that, you know, the, the coronavirus is is ebbing, is, is, you know, all the signs yeah. are there. But <clears throat> boy, that controversy was certainly with us for a while. Yeah. I mean, as my book says, stop the steal is a misinformation model so effective it's being adopted by autocrats around the world. If you want to stay in power, now all you have to do is say that the election, even if it was a sham election, was a fraud or a cheat, um, and you can remain in power. That's kind of not where the United States wants to be. But during the Cold War, it took a sophisticated foreign adversary like Russia to reach millions of Americans with a disinformation campaign. Um, but after 10 years working in Eastern Europe myself as a foreign correspondent, and three of those in Putin's St. Petersburg, I can say, yeah, we don't need to worry about Russia interfering with our next election. We have and will do it ourselves. When, when we're talking with Elizabeth Williamson, author of Sandy Hook, when were you in? Uh, when were you in Russia? I was in Russia from. Uh, let's see, I have to go backwards. Nineteen ninety-five <laughs> through ninety-nine. And so the internet was just starting to push itself infancy. out at that time yeah. in its infancy. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm wondering now, in, in, yeah. the, in the era of Ukraine and, and all that's going on there, uh, you know, and we've heard cyber attacks and, and Russia's been fingered, I think, repeatedly. Um, yeah. are, you, are you concerned with what, what lies ahead on the Internet when it comes to Russia? Uh, yeah, I am. I mean, if you look at Ukraine, um, you have Putin cloaking a naked bid for empire in this mind-numbing lie about denazification and liberation. And at least initially, people like Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones, who, by the way, um, my book shows has been a Putin fan from the start, they run with that. 
Um, so, you know, Ukraine's um, association with the first impeachment of Donald Trump is enough for folks of that, you know, far right stripe to spread views to millions of Americans that play directly into the Kremlin's hands. It's amazing. Um, you know, Alex Jones is, is a major figure in your book, Sandy Hook, the, the talk show. I, I, that's wrong, not talk show. Um, talk, host, uh, you know, whatever. The How do you describe Alex Jones? I'll let you do that. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> Alex Jones is an entertainer, but that doesn't mean he doesn't believe some of the things he says. Um, the thing is with Alex Jones, so he started out as kind of representing um, a kind of white Christian nationalist libertarian point of view. Um, he's known a lot of the, the members of groups like the Oath Keepers, the Three Percenters, the Proud Boys, um, who are responsible for the Capitol insurrection, you know, have been arrested in the aftermath of it. Um, he has known them for decades. Um, he, one of his first sort of major campaigns was raising $93,000 to rebuild the church on the Branch Davidian compound near Waco, Texas, after the FBI siege that resulted in the deaths of 80 Davidians um, back in the early 90s. So he has those sorts of ties. Um, at the same time, he, he sort of made it onto the main stage of the Republican Party during Donald Trump's presidency. So during the Trump years, he has grossed, you know, uh, Infowars has brought in revenues of more than $50 million a year, um, mm. just selling products that are geared toward the paranoid mindset of Alex Jones's audience, doomsday prepper merchandise, untraceable gun components, um, body armor, uh, diet supplements for people who distrust traditional medicine. Wow. Yeah. And, and where is he now? What's his status, Alex Jones? So um, he is uh, fighting lawsuits on multiple fronts. Um, the January 6th committee is, has subpoenaed him. Um, he talked to them. He claimed uh, the fifth, um, so didn't want to answer their questions, claimed the fifth more than 100 times in his interview with them. Um, he's suing them to um, try and block their requests for releases of his financial records, phone logs, so that they can see what role he had in the planning and financing of the January 6th riot. On the Sandy Hook front, um, he, so he's really emblematic of you know, what I trace in my book, this sort of traveling of um, our sort of mass conspiracy culture from Sandy Hook to January 6th. So on the Sandy Hook front, late last year, he lost all four of the defamation lawsuits that the families of Sandy Hook victims filed against him. And this spring, juries will convene just to decide how much he owes the Sandy Hook families in damages. So that's a significant victory for them. And uh, long overdue, I would think, uh, too, because we're talking about, uh, I, I don't want to just finger Jones in this, but but the, the legal... Uh, I don't know, subterfuge or just the, the, the barrage of legal issues that come up um, is available to them because of the money. Right. Yes. I mean, have, yeah. to, to either forestall or, you know, just, just to drag out uh, what would you think? Well, that, that's open and shut. No, not yes. so fast. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. Yes. Um, he has. So when these lawsuits were filed in 2018, Jones vowed on his show that he was going to defend his First Amendment rights in court, that he would be triumphant, that he would pursue this to the end. But what wound up happening is he never got the opportunity because he so stonewalled the process, he didn't produce financial records or other documents, emails and communications that the court was ordering him to come up with in the run-up to trial. Um, and he didn't show up for some of the depositions, his staff, he repeatedly failed to produce people who could attest to the state of his business. Um, so. He ended up losing the opportunity to defend his First Amendment rights in court. Um, you know, this is not a free speech case to him anymore. This is, you know, a defamation case in which he was found liable by default because he was contemptuous of the court process. So it's a kind of irony. Talking with uh, Elizabeth Williamson, uh, the uh, reporter and, and author, and in this book, the new book, Sandy Hook. American tragedy and the battle for truth. You know, you make a point, uh, Elizabeth, in the in the book about you know the you know the, the what we're focusing on Sandy Hook is this horrific occasion when when all these children were killed, and yet the largest uh, gun and, and thankfully this has not happened in a while, but the school shooting was mm -hmm. in Virginia some years before. Yes, uh, of Sandy Hook. And you, you make the comparison, I think, there hasn't been this sort of conspiracy theory. Is it, is it because of the Internet was, was not as in, in its uh, the power that it has or got a few years later? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I talked with Lori Haas, whose daughter Emily was wounded at Virginia Tech, where 32 people were killed and 17 wounded. That's still the worst school shooting in American history. And I asked her to go through her Facebook page and just say, did anybody call you a liar? Did anybody write to you and say, as they did to the Sandy Hook families, this never happened? She looked through, nope, nope, I don't see anything. And so here's a couple statistical reasons why that is. It was the take up of the internet that occurred in the sub, you know, the five subsequent years since 2007 when Virginia Tech happened and 2012 when Sandy Hook happened. So 2007, there were 20 million global users on Facebook. By 2012, Sandy Hook, there were more than 1 billion. In 2007, there were 100 million videos viewed a day on YouTube. But in 2012, one video alone topped 1 billion views on YouTube. Twitter was in its infancy, 5,000 tweets a day in 2007. In 2012, 5,000 tweets every second and 400 million a day. So that gives you an idea of the power of these social media platforms to spread misinformation and lies. And for anyone with a smartphone and a social media account to become a kind of impresario of conspiracy theories. Now, you're a journalist. And, and First Amendment and, and free speech are, are just of what you live for. Yeah. But do you, do you feel, are you, are you comforted? Are you encouraged by reining in the internet? Any signs? Or, I don't know if reining in is the right word. Putting mm -hmm. some controls. What's, what's your take there? Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I want to sort of end our interview on this, on this positive note. And that's that. <laughs> Good. This <laughs> is. Yeah, this is um, on people's radar, both in Congress, um, among the American public, on the social media platforms where Lenny Posner has their ear now after years of trying. He is sort of in the inner circle, 
identifying harmful content, helping them take it down, telling them to take it down. And there are also a lot of efforts being made to try and stop people from becoming conspiracy theorists before they start. Um, there are some psychological studies being done. It's hard to convince people to give up on a conspiracy theory for all those sort of psychosocial reasons we talked about. Um, but if you can get them before they start, you often can prevent them from spreading uh, this material online or certainly to, to maybe report it when they see it. So there are a lot of movements afoot. It's on the radar. And we can really thank the Sandy Hook families for starting to raise awareness about this because their story is so horrific. It gets people's attention. The book is Sandy Hook, an American Tragedy in the Battle for Truth. Elizabeth Williamson, we, we appreciate your time and the best of luck to you. And as you move forward and all these fronts, um, this, this book comes right to the day. In fact, we'll find out more as January 6th investigation goes on. So, uh, it's, it's an ongoing story and we thank you for filling us in. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. Take, Take care. care. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello.